When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good Thursday afternoon. A warm welcome to you from us here at Ausbiz. This is the call. Ten companies picked by you, two experts, all in an hour, the 14th of July today. And my two experts, Joshua Barker from Macro Capital, who's here with me in studio, and Carl Capralinga from Think Market. So it's a good program. We've got lots of great companies to discuss. Josh, welcome. I'll start with you. We've had a very strong employment read coming through Mm. today. We had a very strong inflation read coming through in the U.S. Mm. We had the Bank of Canada lifting by 100 basis points. Investors need to know that rates are going to continue to rise. Yeah, I think, I think they're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with it, obviously. Um, I think the fact that the inflation figure came out so high last night and the knee-jerk reaction from the market wasn't so visceral and so bad, um, I think it's a good sign. And today we're, we're actually bucking the trend on the Aussie market. So I think we're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with it and looking a little bit more forward into those recession fears and whether that's going to really, how deep that's going to get. Well, no doubt we'll be talking about some of that when we mention some of these companies today. Carl, where is your um, head at when it comes to market sentiment right now? Oh, my head's all over the place, just like market sentiment right now. Um, and it's a really tough time, I think, uh, for as a trend follower. Obviously, the, the overall trend is down and you get days like today where a lot of things go up that uh, probably aren't in trend. So you've got to just deal with those things. And you know, interesting, you mentioned the inflation data. Maybe it's a little bit of the, a case of uh, we're sort of, you know, learning to live with it, learning to deal with it. What's that old uh, Dr. Strange Love movie, isn't it? How I learned to just live with the bomb or whatever it is. And we're kind of just learning to live with the the bomb that is inflation at the moment. Uh, but yes, it looks some good data probably on um, jobs data in Australia probably helping our market out as well. So uh, tricky time for investors. We've got our, our bear market, uh, taming the bear market event coming up, Nadine. No yeah. doubt that will help people understand what they need to do. Look forward to it. Thanks for the plug there, Carl. All right, let's get to the companies that we'll be discussing today. CSL will be coming up for Andy Novonix, as well as Endeavor Group, Tyro, and Maz Group. So looking forward to talking about those companies, but I've picked Bega as the stock of the day, released a trading update for FY23 after the bell yesterday, flagging a number of business disruptions, including surging input costs as competition for Aussie milk supplies intensify and farm gate prices rise. Bega says milk prices will likely be 30% higher in 2023 and weigh on the company's performance. Normalized earnings are expected to come in between $160 and $190 million. Shares have been coming under pressure in recent months and uh, continuing on today down a further 4%. So what do our experts think? Okay, I'm going to start with you, Carl. We can talk about the fundamentals. But Bega does say that it will be putting its prices up. What is the trend telling you about Bega? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, 
I'll let uh, maybe Josh speak to the fundamentals. And at the end of the day, at, you know, people look at that announcement and some people go, well, that's that's OK. It's not as bad as I thought. Some people look at it and say, well, that's that's terrible. At the end of the day, um, if, if they own the stock, um, they're going to go to the market. They're going to make a decision, go to the market and become part of supply. If they don't own the stock, well, they're holding cash by definition and they can go to the market, become part of demand, take the other side of that equation. Uh, and when you put all that supply and demand together, you get the price. And as the, the balance between that demand and supply changes over time, the price is going to move. Obviously, excess demand, prices are going up. That's my dark green zones, uh, light green zones. Uh, you know, demand and supply roughly equal. And the balance, uh, you know, the earnings outlook is fairly balanced. Uh, you're going to get flat prices, orange uh, on my traffic light system. And then when there's excess supply, because the outlook isn't so good, um, you know, people want to get out. People and and other people don't want to get in. You're going to get um, the the pink zones, and that's what I'm seeing on Bega, unfortunately. So um, a very well established long term downtrend, uh, short term downtrend is accelerating, if anything, to the downside after today's response, which is a negative response to that announcement. Um, there's a little bit of buy coming in around about that 320 level, but not enough for me to say, hey, um, you know, rush out there and 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 try and uh, you know bottom pick this one or bargain hunt this one. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to do in any bear market. This one in particular uh so uh buy hold sell if i if i didn't have it no it's it's not a buy and it, it is so far away from being a buy because i need to see uh white candles come in this is all black candles i need to see high peaks and higher troughs this is all lower peaks and lower troughs i need to see the moving averages turn around these moving averages are well entrenched to the downside so it's not a buy if, if you don't have it and if you've got it i've got to look at that trend and i'm going to say this this got to be something out there better to do with your money we'll talk about a few later on uh, in today's session so i'm going to go sell Got it. Thank you. Josh, is this looking like good value? It's got great brands mm. in many people's pantries. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew that there was going to be an input cost pro, um, problem, yeah. but uh, Bega is saying that it will be able to pass on prices. Yeah, look, today's, uh, well, yeah, last, last night's um, announcement kind of just reaffirmed um, a lot of the issues that have been going on with the company that they're still continuing. So um, came on the show probably about six or seven weeks ago now, I think, and uh, yeah, basically spoke about uh, it being a sell and obviously the market's off in that time. But the main reason was that uh, I didn't like the fact that management were continuing to blame and, and talk quite negatively about the environment that their company's in. So not a, not a great sign. And uh, lo and behold, the first sentence of this announcement is COVID floods, Ukraine and lockdowns in China. So, um, you know, management's not too confident on their own business at the moment. So I don't think you want to be stepping into this one. Um, I'd still reiterate a sell, you know, once a stock breaks those lows, it can continue to accelerate to the downside. And uh, that's just the sentiment that's going on right now uh, in the market. And, you know, it definitely can occur with individual stocks uh, at the moment as well. Got it. Okay, so that is a sell across the board for bigger cheese. Let's get to some of the companies that have been nominated by you, our viewers, our listeners. Thank you. Andy is first up. He's interested in CSL as a potential long-term hold. Uh, so that's, you know, starting in the big end of town for this mm. program, Josh. Fundamentally, everybody likes CSL and its long-term prospects. Would yep. you be buying at these levels? Yeah, if you're talking long term, I, I do believe it's a core portfolio holding. Um, I think in the short term, it has gone on a nice little run over the last couple of weeks and uh, we'd be eyeing that 315, 320 level for a potential trim. 
Um, so, you know, they've been benefiting the last couple of weeks, um, realistically, from the US dollar as well. They report in US dollar. A lot of their valuations are done in US dollar. And, uh, you know, the DXY, US against the basket of goods, is trading at an all-time high, 108. Um, in their most recent report, they assumed about $1.40 Aussie dollars from their repatriation. So uh, that's almost at $1.50 now. So that's just going to flow directly through to the bottom line. Um, you know, uh, across the industry, it's a pretty consensus buy with the target price of around that uh, 320 mark. So I definitely think there's some decent upside, but a lot of the movement has already happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, that being said, it could easily be the environment where uh, it breaks through that 315, 320 level, gets up to its recent highs of 340, given it's recession proof. Um, given a lot of the tailwinds around plasma donations are now behind it, um, it could be a great opportunity. So, yeah, definitely add it as a core, core position in it's your portfolio. It's a buy. Carl, what do you think about CSL <laughs> at these levels? Uh, look, yeah, we've had a, a buy on it for a while and probably, you know, really a long-suffering buy of anything. And it's uh, like, so, so this is great. You know, clients are happy it's going up. Um, it's it's pretty close to our fair value target. So we've got a 298, let's call it, uh, fair value target. It's getting pretty close to that today. Um, but the chart looks great. I can't add too much more to what Josh said in terms of sort of the, the underlying drivers. But, you know, we, we've looking at it sort of, yeah, mid-teens earnings growth. The next few FYIs, I do agree that it's fairly recession-proof. You know, it's, it's stuff we need. And if the, you know, if the economy gets worse, particularly in the US, they're going to run out and donate more blood, if anything. Uh, there's a lot of um, sort of... Uh, uh, sort of efficiency uh, driving factors through the business, um, the new collection um, uh, technology that they've got gets in and out a lot faster, it does a lot of the, the testing at the bedside. There's, this, there's a lot of stuff to come, I think, is the message here. So look, I'm happy to, to stick with it. It's, it's, it's a solid hold. There's no question about that. Whether you'd buy up here, look, the chart still looks pretty good. So um, I, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't buy it. Uh, just maybe just our valuation is, 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 is here. So um, I, yeah, I retain my buy um, on that and uh, I'll hold it obviously if you think markets clients you already got it. Got it. Thank you. Novanix is next on the list. This is for Jasper. We're talking about batteries. We're talking about a very hot area of the market. Carl, what are the charts telling us on Novanix? <laughs> Well, yeah, it was a hot area of the market, wasn't it? Not so hot anymore, Not unfortunately. Now. That's probably probably the best way to describe uh, Novonics, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, this is one of those cautionary tales uh, that I, when my uh, client webinars on Tuesday, it, it often comes up and then, you know, I, I show them all the little, uh, the little signals there that you had. I mean, first one is that, that big drop. See that drop late November? Um, you know, it was going so well up to that. We were loving it on the way up, and then they got that big drop. And I call I call that that, that your, um, your sort of your species-ending event for your trend. Watch out for those big drops. Now, hey, if you get a quick response, boom, 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 straight back up through those highs, not a problem. It's the next bit that happens. So December, January, where you make the next high that's below that first high building supply and you take out that little trough level beneath it. So for viewers, sort of snapshot what's on screen and just focus on that area. And so many of these battery metals play. So many of these, um, you know, uh, 2021 heroes that, are, let's face it now, zeros went through that exact same phase. So, you know, to be forearmed, just to be forewarned, that's how you can, you know, use that pattern for next time. Where's Novonix now? Clear downtrend. Short-term trend is down. Long-term trend is down. Ironically, uh, there's so much further ahead in terms of the business uh, today than 
before when that last run-up started. Isn't that ironic that um, the business has progressed and yet the share price is about the same and you've had that huge jump in the middle. What happened in the middle is fresh meat coming into the story, coming to the grinder, pushing prices up, greater full theory, accumulated profits at the top, gets crystallised uh, and there's just not enough fresh meat into the grinder to keep it going up. So um, I can't see the fresh meat coming in unless we get some really good news flow. Probably not going to see that in, in the near term because, you know, there's still very early stages in terms of getting to commercial production on their battery anodes over the new, in the USA. But a great opportunity in terms of, you know, a, a vertically integrated supply chain US production, most of it's coming out of China. Um, you know, 90% of lithium-ion batteries are going to use, um, you know, these these types of anodes. So market opportunity, great. It's just timing and it's years. They're years away from money, years away from this turning around and investors valuing this on the basis of, of you know of a financial case. So I'm going to long story short it and say um, the chart still looks terrible and I'm going to go sell. Would you sell Novonix if you have it, Novonix, however you say it, yeah. or do you see value considering the longer term thesis for battery? Uh, it's hard to put value on it right now in this market. At the end of the day, it's still a negative, earning, negative earnings company. Um, you know, they've had a meteoric rise. Maybe it shouldn't have been up as high as it, what it was. Um, so the fall is, is, is to be expected somewhat. Um, you're definitely buying the future, future revenues on this one. Um, and I think, I guess it really went downhill after listing on the NASDAQ. And uh, that might seem a bit counterintuitive for, for most investors. They think, well, I thought that would be a good thing. And yeah. you do see that a lot. Um, and, and I mean, over the last year or two, you've definitely seen companies that have listed on the NASDAQ go down, Aussie companies, that is. Typically, those companies trade at a uh, much lower multiplier on their earnings because the earnings are so much better in, in, in the US. Uh, they've got a stronger, stronger market for that. So that's maybe a little bit of the precious downside. But uh, yeah, no, the, the trend and the overall fundamentals are, are very hard to grasp onto to counteract that trend. Um, there's a smaller company out there that's in the battery tech called Magnus Energy. Um, definitely wouldn't be putting kind of the same money that you'd put into NVX as you would to MNS is the ticket code for that one. Um, but it's a, it seems to be a, a lot more stable um, growth play in that battery tech speculative area. Okay, so this is a sell if you have it? Sell, yeah. yep. You guys are agreeing so far today. <laughs> Endeavor Group for George. I don't have any context around this. So again, Endeavor Group um, as an investment opportunity, mm. given the macro environment, I mean, is this something that's pretty resilient? Yeah, I think its earnings will be quite resilient moving forward. Um, you know, you look at alcohol consumption, it always does quite well during a recession period, as we can imagine. Uh, they've got a lot of hotels and venues right across the country, um, some, some really solid foundation businesses to the Australian culture here. So um, their earnings are expected to grow by about 12% for the next couple of years. Um, while revenues are staying flat. So you can see they're improving their margins there, basically. Mm -hmm. It's conservative, uh, it's modest. Um, it's basically trading at its history high, which is not a long history, albeit. But uh, yeah, I think if it does look like it's gonna continue to run and it breaks up to those all-time highs, it's a, it's a nice staple for the portfolio as well if you're wanting it in that type of recession environment. That's a buy then. That's a buy, yep. Carl, what are the charts telling us about Endeavor? Charts look, look great. You know, you saw that um, chart there, bottom left, top right. I, you know, hey, that used to be my mantra. Well, it still is my mantra, but I used to say it every day in Ausbiz. I haven't said it for about <laughs> three, four months now, Nadine, have I? But finally, we, we've got one. So, no, I love it uh, on the technicals. It's one, obviously, we've been putting in front of clients for a long time now based upon uh, that chart. Uh, 
it's more of a defensive investor's stock, I think. The self-managed super fund, long-term. Uh, look, the growth isn't terrible. I think it's, the problem is for me with Endeavour is what you're paying for the growth. So it's about 28 times earnings for a sort of you know high single-digit growth, which is way too much. So purely on the fundamentals, if you didn't look at the chart, you'd, you'd overlook this one, you'd go somewhere else. Uh, but I don't make my calls based upon the fundamentals, Nadine. I make them based upon the car, yeah. chart, so I'm going to go buy as well. That's a double buy. That's going to be going to the investment committee. We've got one. All right. Exciting times. Let's get to Tyro. This is for Peter. Could you give me some thoughts on Tyro? Why is it so out of favor? I noticed when I tap and go, the business often has a Tyro unit, so they're being used. They also have a banking license. Look, he's not the only one wondering what has gone on with Tyro. Carl, some of it has been that Tyro has been caught up in this whole tech wreck. However, we had the CEO leave unexpectedly a couple of weeks ago, defecting to Star Entertainment. But regardless, Tyro was supposed to be a reopening trade, wasn't it? What's gone wrong? Well, you know, they're all sensible narratives. And in bear markets, you have to be have to be aware of the narrative of how dangerous the narrative is. Uh, so when uh, it's Peter, Peter goes and taps his card. He says, hey, there's Tyro, you know, justifies my investment. And there's maybe a Tyro at the next shop and the next shop. But th- that's not how the market trades. The market doesn't trade. All that demand and supply I talked about doesn't, is not based upon uh, seeing something physically. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's about dollars and cents and earnings and the value that we put on those earnings. Now, if you go back not long ago, November last year, before JP, JP, got up there at the podium uh, accepting his his new term as uh, Federal Reserve Chairman there. Uh, Prior to that, ultra dove, low interest rates, you know, supporting the economy. As of that acceptance speak, ultra hawk. Rates are going to go up. We're going to fight inflation. So overnight, you go from where you uh, investors, money was cheap, you know, interest rates at zero, you pay a high high value. Uh, People talk about 100 times earnings is, is acceptable, 200 times earnings. Now, the, I've covered, this is the fifth time I've covered this on the call, and each time I've called it a sell. Uh, last time I was on, it was at th- 320 times FY23 earnings, okay, uh, 88 times FY24 earnings. What's changed since I was last on uh, back at the start of the year is that those earnings now have been pushed out. So we're not going to make a profit in FY23. We're not even going to make it a profit in FY24. We're going to make a profit in FY25 now. Uh, and we're still trading at 45 times that year's earnings if we get there. So we're talking huge valuations, huge execution risk. And none of that is seen by your average person on the street that taps their card. So you've got to, you've got to dig deeper. You've got to go past a narrative, past a sensible story that justifies an investment idea to the actual numbers. And that's what the markets are trading on. Uh, I'm going to go five out of five with a sell on Tyro. Chart looks terrible. No reason to buy it here. No reason to hold it. Got it. Thank you. No reason to be there. Is there no reason to be in Tyro? Yeah, look, it's uh, uh, with these um, sort of companies that, you know, they're quite low and you're thinking the narrative adds mm-hmm. up. There is a little bit of a chain, uh, I think, in the chain missing with that narrative story. So you as a, as a you know, person that's tapping for your local coffee each day, you're actually not the, the consumer of Tyro. The coffee shop is. And they're paying the fees. They're the one implementing the service from Tyro. And they're not overly happy. They had some terminal outages, they're seeking compensation. So um, whilst you're using the product, you're actually not the end consumer. And unfortunately, it seems the end consumers are not overly happy with the Tyro product, unfortunately. Um, You know, Carl spoke about um, valuations as well. This is a company that listed at at, uh, a 1.4 billion market cap in 2019. 
when you IPO, um, the prospectus will outline the first two years and they need to be great two years in order to justify that really high price. It was a great time in the market, then COVID hit. So it's going to be nowhere near achieving those first two years results when it IPO'd. So the valuations have come down. It's kind of gone from bad to worse, obviously, as evident in the chart adding pressure to that, the CEO and MD uh, resigning. So I'd, I'd still issue a sell on it. Um, you know, it can keep going down. No love for you, Tyro. Peter, there you go. That uh, fleshed that out for you quite nicely, I think. Now, Mass Group, MGH is the ticker code. This is for Ben, looking for an analyst view of Mass Group. I will start with you, Josh, because this is a company, it's an engineering firm, yep. from what I understand, and it's founder-led and run. Yep. Um, what do you think fundamentally about the prospects for this business? Yeah, they do a lot of the regional plays mm -hmm. and uh, very founder-led. You know, 52% of the company is held by the managing director and then another 13% of a family member of his. So it's very tightly held. Um, but that being said, it still does have good trading volume. So it's not a stock that because it doesn't have too it's much free illiquid. flow, you're not yeah. going to get stuck in it. No. Um, look, it seems like it's done really well. New listing at about $2, reached highs of 6 they're facing some, some difficult environmental factors at the moment with input, input costs being quite, uh, quite high. We've also got you know, some bearish construction in, in the industry happening at the moment. But um, yeah, analyst consensus has got to buy um, with about a $5.40 price target. So it's quite high, about 40% above from here. It has reached $6. Um, I wouldn't necessarily get involved in it, so I'd, I'd make the call to hold this one. Um, but I'd be, yeah potentially putting it on the radar if you like the company when the conditions are more favourable and uh, when the trend starts to starts to flow with it. But it could well be bottom of the range right yeah, now Yeah, okay, interesting. Ben, uh, if hope you're watching or listening out there. Don't forget this is just information only. It's not personal financial advice. But, I mean, I thought we were going to have an infrastructure building boom and all these companies were doing really well. Um, but, you know, that macro worm has turned. Uh, well, uh, no, I don't. Uh, look, I, I still think the, the infra infrastructure boom is real. Uh, and I think uh, viewers need to understand that. This is uh, not a flash in the pan because, you know, these booms aren't necessarily created by your um, your residential homeowner. Um, so, yes, we can have a renovation boom, uh, uh, you know, and, and um, Josh talked about increasing costs and things like that. I know I'm doing some renovations at the moment, Nadine. You can see all these grey hairs over mm. here. Let me tell you, it is a... Particularly in Perth, it's... Bleeding yeah. nightmare. Oh, uh, like, you, like the, the builder, we're so over... over uh, run or not not cost we're going to fix cost but he's struggling and trying to get staff and yeah. they're, they're young guys and first they wouldn't get the bloody vaccine because they're young guys and they're invincible so there was a you know delay in, in that but look uh, we've got these hand-cut japanese um, tiles for our splashback <laughs> right uh, we have to wait three months for these bloody things to get in <laughs> Uh, I digress a little, but there's a point. There's a method to my madness. My point is, for that sort of um, construction, there are cost overruns, there are uh, delays, there, there's elasticity of demand from your consumer who's going to be hurt by inflation and, and rising costs, and it takes three months for my Japanese hand-cut tiles to get in. Now, these guys control their own supply chain, okay? So they dig stuff out of the ground over there in Queensland and a little bit in New South Wales, and it's it's pretty basic stuff. They're not Japanese hand-cut tiles, it's just blue, 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 um, bluestones, you know, the stuff that goes into roads and, and things like that. And it's not uh, elastic demand. It, it, we're talking about uh, government spending, local governments and federal government spending. It's mandated spending. It's got to be there for a long period of time. Now, if there is a recession, 
they're just going to spend more on infrastructure. It's an easy go-to. It's an easy uh, political winner. So um, a lot of their contracts are long-term. A lot of their debt is long-term. Um, it, it, I, I, I like this one. I think it looks really cheap. I think the great growth profile, very reasonably valued. So tick, 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 tick. Um, and I think fairly insulated against against a potential economic downturn. The problem is the chart, you know, and, and I want to give a, a balanced view to, to viewers because I know some people are holding this and, and they don't care about the chart, you know, so, so they don't care about the next bit I'm going to talk about. The chart doesn't look good. So if you've got it and you don't care about the chart, hang on to it. I think it's fantastic. If you do care about the chart like me, then you can't buy this one. See how that trend, it was very flat for a long period of time and then it cracks. And you often see when you crack those levels of support, it starts a very long slippery slope. You know, refer to Novonics, refer to Beaker, refer to, you know, a lot of charts we're gonna talk about today. So I'm really concerned on the technical side of things. I won't go sell. Um, because I think fight the fundamentals are so strong. Uh, but if you if you're uh, if you don't care about the chart, it's a halt. Got it. Thank you. So that brings us to half the halfway point. So let me just um, recap what we've learned so far. When it comes to our stock of the day, Bega Cheese, it is stinky. You want to sell this one? Uh, look, it's in a long-term downtrend on the charts. And uh, Josh points out to management just. You know, they've name-checked every sort of worry out there themselves. CSL, though, it's a buy for both of my guests. Core portfolio holding, according to Josh Baker from Macro Capital. Novonix, uh, Novonix, however you want to say it, it's a sell from both of my guests. But we've got a bonus buy coming from Josh, which is Magnus Energy. MNS, I think is the ticker code. Endeavor Group, it's a buy, again, for both of my guests. Uh, it's pretty much uh, recession resilient. Um, looking for growth, good coming forward, a little bit expensive, uh, but the chart still looks good to Carl. And Tyro Payments, it's a sell for both of my guests. So sorry to all those people who are in it. Uh, Josh says it's gone from bad to worse. There's no reason to be there, says Carl. And you just heard them talking about Mass Group. It is a solid hold from both of my guests. So where are we at? We've got one or two companies, CSL and Endeavor, are going to be going to the investment committee. Let's check in on that portfolio. Uh, well, the investment committee got rid of Tyro last month, as well as Qantas, Frontier Digital Ventures, Tabcorp, and Steadfast. So just when it comes to Tabcorp, we'd like to just remind viewers that the Lottery Corp is in. Bapcorp was added to the portfolio, cash holdings sitting at about 10%. So far, when we look at this, uh, the, the portfolio performance, it's down 6.5% since its inception on March the 1st. So keep sending your and we will keep putting them to the investment committee if, of course, they make it through this first filter here on the call. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Well, this should be interesting. We will be discussing Brainchip. BRN is the ticker code. That's for you, Dustin. Fortescue. Waypoint REIT. It's come up a lot lately. I'm curious to get the thoughts from these boys. Temple and Webster, uh, which is up and down depending on the day. Also, APA Group for Lucas. So let's get going, shall we? Oh, I'm torn as to whether to start with fundamentals or the chart for Brainchip. It was on such a tear. 
Uh, but um, was it a lot of hope with a lot of, uh, well, little accomplishment? What do you think so far? Yeah, look, I, I came on the show uh, a while ago and it definitely not even fundamentally not investment grade for us. Um, and then, you know, we kind of went into a bit of a dip and then I, I labelled it a bull market only stock and that's kind of at best. Um, I think if we go into any sort of tough market environment, uh, these are the kind of names that are just going to be forgotten about almost. Um, so I think, you know, given that the company is only making a few hundred grand a year in revenues and, and losing millions, um, definitely not where you want to be putting your money right now. If you want to go a much safer place, all the stocks we've spoken about, CSL, Endeavour, those types of names are probably going to become more in favour, regardless of not being such high growth profile. You're still going to make more money off those ones. So uh, I reckon it's going to get stuck in a bit of a range for a little while, um, kind of just people holding on for those announcements, maybe between 70 cents and 90 cents. But uh, the longer it stays in that range, it's quite a negative range for the stock anyway. So if it breaks that, it's, it's going to be almost all over for the company. That being said, they could come out tomorrow with a pending AI announcement because it's such an exciting business and people will buy into that and the stock will be off and racing, but I uh, wouldn't be want to be involved in the story regardless. So it's a story stock for you. So this is yeah, a sell. It's a sell. Um, let's get Carl's POV. Uh, because there was a lot of excitement about Brainchip, but you know, it, it is, well, unprofitable or as they like to say, pre-profit. Um, so where to for investors? Yeah, I like that. It's glasses half full, isn't it? They're pre-profit, not unprofitable. Uh, and many of these uh, tech companies are. And it's highly, highly promising. You know, they're an easy narrative to digest here. So they've got this, uh, this uh, uh, neuromorphic chip that thinks like a human brain, okay, which is not what other computer chips do. Uh, processes uh, all of this data at the edge, whatever that means. But I'm sure it's it's wonderful. If I could give uh, viewers an analogy, it's like, well, uh, the current uh, the current uh, computer chip system is like a VHS, and this is the Betamax, right? So it's the better than the incumbent. But the question will be whether, and we know what happened to Betamax versus VHS in that battle, uh, whether this will take over as um, you know the go-to, the 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 the, the, um, the incumbent um, used by the industry. And uh, Brainchip are very very early stages of um, obviously producing some of these chips, getting them out to uh, customers to test them, get feedback, improve, uh, and, and build a, an ecosystem and a, and a marketplace where this uh, technology can thrive. And in theory if it hits, it could be uh, massive. I mean, hugely massive, uh, one of these chips in anything that needs to be uh, quite unquote smart, okay? Any any device that uh, we know in our daily lives that, that requires that. Um, and, and it's an easy narrative to digest. And when you have a lot of money sloshing around in investors' pockets and you have a lot of chat rooms and, and a lot of uh, TikToks and a lot of influencers, influencers spruiking these things, you get exactly what's on screen. You go from zero uh, when it was about 30 cents to hero when it's about uh, $2.40. And unlike uh, Josh, we love it. We love those things, Nadine. We're all over them. We do not care about a business case because we're technical analysts and we'll happily buy something without a business case whilst there is momentum. However, you hear me talk about, okay, defensive investors, growth investors, defensive investors set and forget, growth investors, you have to be active. If you're going to buy something on a chart, you need to watch when that chart is turning around, when those key um, signals of supply come in, and that's when you get out, you go find the next shiny new thing to target, okay? So it's not something that your defensive investor would go for. Right now, the trend is not there, so I can't see any reason to buy it, 
because it is uh, pre-profit, as you put it, it could be many, many years until there is a financial investment case to buy it. It will move based upon news flow and deal flow. And that it is, I would say, there's probably not a lot coming in that regard even because there's so early stages in the near term. So unless we get uh, another huge uh, bull market phase where everybody's got uh, hot cash in their pocket to go spend on this stuff, um, you probably want to be out of it. So I can't see reason to hold it if you've got it. And certainly based upon the technicals, no reason to own it. Uh, if you don't. Still a $1 billion market cap. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So Dustin, if you've been in it, if you're above water, sell. That's the uh, that's the information you're getting today. Let's go to Fortescue for Thatcher. Now we can talk. Well, I'm going to start with you. You've got mining in your blood out there in <laughs> Perth. Um, you know, we yep. are seeing pressure coming through on the iron ore price. It wasn't going to stay at uh, record high levels forever. We know that. China likely to stimulate toward the end of the year. What do you see in the future for Fortescue? Well, that's that's a tough one. I mean, what it's basically what do you see in the future for the iron ore price, uh, which is currently, you know, 100 and well, between 100, I'm not going to try and peg it on any particular day. Let's say it's between 100 and $110 uh, US a tonne. Uh, off its lows of about 85 about three or four months ago and well off its highs around 230 which we all knew was unsustainable long-term averages down around 55 okay now Fortescue's producing around about that sort of $20 US a ton they are producing a, a lower grade um, mix of iron ore although there are some projects that are coming up where they're going to add higher grade to that to, to sort some of that that out but that's uh, well, it's probably, I wouldn't say even medium term, it's probably near term. Okay, so um, in the interim, they are still uh, taking a lower price uh, for their product. So don't say, don't look at the iron ore price and expect that that's exactly what Fortescue is getting. It's probably a bit less than that. It's a haircut there. Um, having said that, they're still making good money at this, this point in time. Operationally, um, they're doing pretty well, actually, uh, in terms of maintaining their production, despite a lot of issues locally here with, uh, you know, just getting labour. And we've had, we've had to go through our, our COVID uh, initiation recently as well. So um, operationally doing pretty well. Prices are probably going to keep trending down. I think an iron ore, we could see it come back into those 80s, perhaps. Um, and then you've got the issue of China. Now, I see China more as a negative than a positive. Um, I think growth was slowing anyway. It's been slowing uh, for the last 10 years. The, the COVID situation hasn't helped. And the government, uh, despite firing uh, plenty of shots across the bow in terms of stimulating, haven't been all that successful in doing so. So um, let's work on a little bit more downside in the iron ore price and therefore a little bit more downside in the Fortescue price. We've had a sell on it now, which is on a blasphemy for somebody from WA uh, for about a month, just coming up on a month. I'm going to stick with that for this point in time because I think it's going to come down to around about $14, a key level of support on the chart. Uh, that's those October, November lows, and I'd have another look at it there. So if you've got it and you don't care about charts, hang on to it. You get a great dividend yield in the process. Um, if you're looking to buy it, I think it's a wait and see, around about, uh, around about $14, I'll reassess. So you've got to sell on it officially, but if you're in it, right you would hold it. Get yeah. the divvy. Okay, got it. Oh, no, no, look, no, oh, no, 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 no. It, it, remember, it, it, some people don't care about charts, Nadine. They go, oh, that, that charting guy, <laughs> I, you know, I'm getting a 10% yield. I don't care what he says. I'm not going to change their mind anyway. But based upon, um, I think, the fundamental and the technical outlook, no, I'm, I'm a sell on this one very okay. clearly. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I respect the fact that some people won't sell it based upon a chart. Got it. Would you be... Selling or would you hold on? Uh, short term, agree with uh, a lot of the, the technical analysis. You know, if we see iron ore, uh, a similar pretty chart, um, 
you know, that breaks these current levels, which is pretty much a seven or eight month low. Um, it's likely to come down and retest $85 and uh, FMG will follow suit, which is around, yeah, below 15 for us anyway. So that being said, it is a, obviously a great company. Everyone knows it quite well, good management. Um, it's probably the opposite of pre-profit. It's a highly profitable business. Um, you know, we're talking about $100 or $90 for iron ore. Yeah, it costs them about $15. Uh, that's their costs for C1 anyway. So it is a good business. It's going to make money in the long term. Um, definitely see some short-term downside, but uh, yeah, it's a great company in terms of the long term. Um, I think you want to be more skewed towards these um, profitable rather than pre-profitable, which is going to be a very dangerous area in the market moving forward. Um, you know, we've started to see a lot of smaller companies um, go under because they were, you know, so-called pre-profitable. Um, you know, that pre-profitable thing, it's, it seems like it's a guarantee, but it's, it's definitely not. If the funding stops, then all of a sudden that business will, will go under. We've seen that with Neobank start. Um, you know, that could have a flow-on effect to bigger companies like uh, you know, a couple of the ones that we've spoken about today. Um, as soon as that funding dries up, if they're not profitable, um, the business is no more. So uh, I'd be very, very wary of those, um, you know, not profitable and, and not nearly on the horizon um, in this market especially. If economic times are great, it's probably a good time that money will be flowing into that um, space. But uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's not looking likely for the next couple of years anyway. So for Fortescue, you would sell it because you see further short-term downside. Yeah. But fundamentally a good company. Yeah, if it's a five to 10 year hold. So are we saying you might buy it around $14, $15? It's difficult to say. It's definitely getting attractive around that levels because it's the low. Um, but again, if it looks like it's going to keep heading down, then we'll okay. just avoid it for the time being. Well, let's get to Waypoint REIT. WPR is the ticker code and this one is for L. L, thanks for sending this one in. We've got our regular guests divided on Waypoint REIT. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. Josh, of course, it owns a lot of the convenience and retail properties, but petrol stations, essentially. Yep, yep. exactly. So, um, you know, Macro is a, a strong supporter of the Waypoint stock at the moment. And uh, it did get caught up a little bit in the sort of market-wide REIT sell-off, um, but it has bounced back quite strongly. And uh, I definitely stick with the momentum in the short term at the very least. Um, so I think in the short term, it's likely to come back up. Um, and then longer term, it is, it is what it is, and it's a yield play. Management have come out and said that they're gonna deliver shareholder return through dividends and share buybacks. So that's how you make your money. Um, they're not really a company that's looking to you know, put a lot of their earnings back into growth. Um, but from a shareholder point of view, you're getting around a 7% yield, which is one of the top five yielding REITs on the Aussie market. It's in the industrial space, so a lot more stable. Its gearing ratios drop below 30%, which is pretty good as well. Um, so I definitely think this one's happy to add this as a yield play into your portfolio, so a buy. A buy for Waypoint REIT. What are the charts telling you, Carl? Yeah, they look pretty flat there, uh, don't they? It's, this is uh, an odd one for me because uh, I hadn't heard much about it until about three or four weeks ago. Um, and as I said, I did my Tuesday webinars, which are open to everybody. Anybody can come and join me on Tuesday. I've got a link pinned to my Twitter profile if you want to do that. Uh, but it started coming up and everybody's asking about Waypoint Breed for three weeks in a row. And I just didn't get it. Uh, and, you know, I look at the technicals and I look at the fundamentals for everybody. And again, nothing uh, matches up. The chart looked pretty terrible and the, te and the fundamentals look average at best. Um, but it's gone on a super tear, 215, 255. 
Uh, and I did some doubling back and I had a look at it and it, it, it was actually uh, on the call uh, at that low and it's recommended as a buy. So I reckon uh, Osby's viewers have a little bit to do with this. Uh, so it's, it's, fa it's a fascinating um, way that this has turned out. I, I think it's, look, just from the chart, um, it's turned the short-term trend around. I think I could go to a hold on that basis, but it is banging up against some longer-term resistance levels. And that's what I've been telling uh, people in those webinars. I'm a little bit uh, concerned about how it's responding to some of that. Uh, from the fundamentals, I couldn't see any growth in the business. We're talking, you know, flatline growth for the next three or four years. You're paying about 15 times earnings, which seems really expensive for a company without growth. And then you can make the argument about the dividend yield, which is about 7.5%, uh, sorry, 6.5%, but it is unfranked. So there's some disadvantages there. Yes, there's potentially some um, capital returns coming up. There's a buyback in place, which is great. Uh, but you want to see how the how they um, do the franking on those if you're a self-management fund to find those attractive. So uh, I'm struggling to find a reason to buy it on the fundamentals. I can't see a reason to buy it on the chart. Uh, I'm going to go sell on this one. Sell, particularly if you've made some money in the last little while. There you go. Okay, Carly, we're at number nine on the list. This is Templin Webster. Um, Carly says she saw shares in Temple and Webster get hit hard recently. Is it a buying opportunity? What are long-term tailwinds? Because we keep getting told anything in the consumer space, you know, Josh, is a really mm. difficult place to be right now. Definitely. And Temple and Webster did so well through the pandemic being an yep. e-commerce play. And also as we, you know, made our houses look pretty and get them more comfortable as well. Yep. Um, longer term, mm. are the tailwinds enough to justify buying this one now? Yeah, look, I think if you're, if you're looking ultra long term, um, it's obviously clearly a good company. Um, the one year return is quite interesting. It's down about 70%. So it's kind of making the argument that it's looking quite cheap, obviously, on that, on that time frame. Um, but then if you look at it on a five year time frame, it's up about 2000%. So it's clearly a strong performer. Um, look, they do have some issues with input costs, as we spoke about with the building and construction, building furniture, um, pretty much along the exact same lines. Um, I'd be, I'd be, I guess uh, the whole sector in general, I wouldn't be stepping into it just yet. Um, you know, a lot of these lockdown stocks, which was, it's kind of been um, caught up in a little bit of that, um, have, you know, got a, have come down a long way. And uh, for now, it doesn't look like that, that downtrend is over. So um, yeah, look, wouldn't be buying it just yet. I'd probably put it as a hold, given it's such a strong company that's come down so far. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd want to see it show a bit more life and, and life in the sector as well um, before it starts to come back into play. So when you consider Temple and Webster, do you put it in with you know Adairs and Harvey Norman and those companies, or do you put it more with the Kogan, you know, of, of the Kogans mm. of the world? A little bit more with the Kogans of the world, um, being a little bit more online. Um, Harvey Norman's got a big physical imprint, uh, physical uh, presence, especially on the east coast of Australia where there's been lots of flooding. Um, you know, they're going to have to replace all their furniture, of course. Um, so hopefully that through, uh, flows through to their earnings report as well. So I think just a little bit more in that uh, online furniture capacity or online spending mm -hmm. capacity. Got it. Carl, what do you think of Temple and Webster? I like the business. I, I just think it's one that's been caught up in that uh, PE contraction. It's just just this change in in mindset as to what we're prepared to pay for these, you know, these these online businesses. But uh, and I'm just looking at the chart. And in November last year, interest rates lift off. Uh, well, interest rate expectation, inflation fighting lift off, and then this one goes down. So they're like 100% correlation. 
But uh, this is not a long duration stock. I mean, these guys have earnings. They've uh, consistently uh, earned money over the last uh, three FYs and grown earnings, obviously helped by COVID. Look, there's a, re- a bit of a reset and I think that's what investors need, need to understand. So we, we're cycling out all those bumps. So for a little while, some of the earnings growth, ra- growth rates are going to look terrible, but then we'll get back to sort of the, the growth and the penetration uh, that they had before that, which is still pretty good, um, but albeit off a lower base. It's valuation, I wouldn't say is a bargain. You're paying, you know, 70 times this year's earnings, 80 times next year's earnings, but then it starts to come down significantly because of the growth in the business. So don't mind paying higher multiples when the growth is there. 20 times FY25 earnings is good, but then you've got executioners to get there. So it's not one I could call a screaming buy, even though the, the fair value target for us is actually pretty good. We've got a 374 target on it. Um, and we I've used some really high discount rates there as well. Um, so... Uh, where am I going to go? The chart looks horrendous. So it's one of those uh, conflicts I have um, in bear markets often, Nadine, where I, I like a company. I think there's a there's you know there's there's a valuation case there even, but then I look at the chart. The chart's horrible. So I guess if if the valuation uh, and those fundamentals are sort of my my heart, at least I've always got the chart as my head to say you know no no, settle down. It doesn't matter what you think. Okay, as good as you think this one looks. All that matters is what the market thinks, because at the end of the day, you have to be in alignment with the market to make money. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm just now I've got this whether I'm trying to call it a hold or not, because I know uh, people who own this will want to know the answer to that question. I'm going to I'm going to go. I'm still going to go sell. I'm going to go sell based upon the chart. But, you know, look, at something I want to buy at some stage. In charts, we trust. Are you avoiding yeah. consumer discretionaries with your head and your heart? I think it'll turn. I think it's it, everything. So everyone's so bearish uh, with consumer discretionary right now, um, just like they were so bullish not not long before that. I, I think that that will turn. And again, there's stuff you need to see in the charts. Okay, because I might not be around to, to tell you when you when you're here. Uh, it, you just, those white candles are key. That that's, that's what starts this the, the turn of the trend. Higher peaks and higher troughs. Um, those moving averages turning up. And and sometimes they take months to play out. So you know. Don't just think you're going to buy the bottom and that's it. Hooray! It starts going up. You know, it, it takes it takes months to get these patterns to turn around. Got it. Thank you, Carl. Okay, we are on to lucky last APA group for Lucas. What do you think, Carl? Is this a is this a chart that you can love? <laughs> yeah, I do love the chart. Hey, we're hooning today, Nadine. What's going on? I know. We're ahead of schedule. I know. Um, Never happened. <laughs> I think because we, uh, Josh and I keep agreeing on everything. Uh, I like APA, and it's one again. It's been it's been a buy for us for, uh, consistently uh, now for months uh, because of the technicals. It's one of the few stocks in this. Um, I wouldn't call it a bear market, but it's not official. But you know, protracted downturn in the broader index, which is uh, light green zone, dark green zone. There it is. Ah, oh, look, isn't that beautiful? Like it, it, it makes me happy when I see charts like that, Nadine. I get this little warm, fuzzy feeling inside, and I would stick with APA. So. Um, uh, look, uh, in terms of the, the business, maybe Josh can talk a bit more about the, the fundamentals, but, you know, look, gas pipelines, it's essential stuff. They're not going anywhere despite, you know, moves to, to green uh, energy and all that sort of stuff. We're still going to need gas. It's going to play a hugely important role in that transition. Uh, the other uh, point is, is that a lot of their um, uh, revenues, uh, a lot of those um, uh 
I guess, um, pricing that they uh, have to their, their end users is CPI uh, indexed. Okay, so uh, about 85% of it is indexed to Australian CPI. So that's going to help them on the cost side and probably actually put them in front. And I think that's why the market's liking them right now. So um, if you've, you think market's client, you've already got it, hold on to it. If you don't have it, I think it's a pretty decent ad for your defensive investor, self-managed super fund type, longer term, um, sleep at night sort of stuff. So pretty happy with that. The yield is about 4.5% as well, if you're looking for yield. And I'll tell you in a second whether it's uh, franked. It's about 37% franked. So that's a buy. I'm a buy. I'm still a buy on APA. Are you buying APA? Um, depends on the time frame. So if we just look at it on a, on a, on a shorter term time frame, um, you saw the five-year chart on screen um, just there. It's right on the top of the range being that sort of $12 mark that it keeps struggling to get through. Hit that a couple of years ago and it keeps hitting that again. So I guess if you're in the stock, um, you know, we'd look to be trimming as it keeps rejecting that. Um, and then, um, you know, if it does clear that $12, I'd be happy to get the position back on uh, because it is a good company longer term. Um, I think they're, you know, that infrastructure play that we were, you know, sort of speaking about is is coming into favour. This is a good example of that. Um, you know, facilitating the energy supply, which is a bit of a hot topic at the moment, with uh, you know people worried about whether they're going to be able to turn their heater on mm -hmm. uh, a few times this year. So, um, yeah, look, I think uh, even you know looking more and more long term. Um, you know, as alternative energy solutions become more and more popular. They recently had an agreement with uh, Snowy Hydro um, to develop a, a gas pipeline and the infrastructure on the back of that for a hydrogen uh, blend ready pipe. So, you know, these sort of solutions that they're offering and the infrastructure on the back of that um, is definitely going to put them in, in good stead um, over the long term. Um, so, you know, it just comes down to management execution over the, over the long term and I guess a really simple way um, and speaks to Carl's point about sort of uh, bottom left to top right, um, actually just, you know, without looking into a, the management on this one, you know, given it was number 10 stock on the call, um, you know, just looked at the chart on a, on a, on a, on a monthly basis and uh, since 2001 to now. It's pretty much a perfect line from, from bottom bottom left to, to top right. So um, management's done well in delivering shareholder return over a 20, 20 odd year period. Um, and they've paid out really good dividends in that time. So at least it's gonna pay you to be involved in the story for the long term at about a 4% dividend, which is probably, probably gonna be about market return over the next uh, few years anyway. So yeah, I'd look to buy this on a breakout. Um, I really like those companies that have got, as Carl said, um, CPI related earnings. So inflation protected earnings is what we really want to look at. Um, just keeps topping out at this $12 level, but I am pretty confident that it'll get through that eventually. Um, whether it takes another leg lower in the short term is just a, a bit hard to say until it actually does it. Close above $12, sits there for a while, and then you know that's your, that's your kind of cue to get in basically. So you're buying on a breakout, not yep. necessarily today though. No, it's top of the range today. Okay. So um, buy on a pullback if you like the company or buy on the breakout. Okay, got it. Thank you. Now, that brings us pretty much to the end of the program. I'm just going to ask my guests one quick question before we go. Mm. Josh, what's your allocation to cash right now? Um, it's conserve. Oh, yeah, so it's been really varying over the last um, probably month or so because you know, it's really hard to sort of say which way this market is going down. We were obviously a bit concerned um, 
you know, about the last night's figure. So we went to a little bit more cash. Um, but uh, yeah, generally speaking, look, we're grinding higher at the moment, as you can see from the index, you know, sort of bucking the US trend. But I guess the main thing that, you know, this bear markets are entirely investor psychology driven. Um, so, you know, probably the main things we want to look at is the VIX at the moment and also the yield curve. And those are two pretty clear um, indicators of how consumers are feeling at the moment. The VIX is obviously people covering their positions with options, so they're concerned in the short term, and that's saying at really high levels. It's, it's never remained that ele this elevated for, for so long. Um, and then you look at the uh, kind of psychology behind the yield curve inverting, and that means people are more worried about what's going to happen in the next two years than they are in the next 10 years. So people are covering their positions with options for a three-month period. They're also looking for certainty over a two-year period by buying up those bonds. So um, yeah, until those things dissipate, you're not going to see too much of a shift in uh, market psychology. So holding a little bit of cash, but uh, if, that, if that grind higher starts to cease, hopefully try and go a little bit more to cash. Um, if we keep grinding higher, then uh, stick with our actual allocation until we see those psychology indicators almost dissipate, if that makes sense. What's your strategy in the spare market, Carl? Well, we were not going to give it all away, no. of course. We've got an event coming up in a couple of weeks. But I mean, when it That's comes right. to um, holding your firepower, I suppose. Yeah, and no, I think you should. I, I, you know, I've been advocating for high cash levels uh, for for months now, and I, I think you you would want to continue to keep some powder dry. I do feel there's one more leg down, and as some of these um, sort of recession indicators become more entrenched, there's maybe just a little bit more um, nerves nerves out there for how bad it might get. Um, and, and, and often we see stock markets bottom out once we're in a recession uh, because obviously rates tend to come down. Uh, the stimulus tends to be provided both, uh, you know, fiscally and, and monetarily uh, and, and markets uh, you obviously lead the economy. So they tend to bottom out. So that's kind of the way I'm playing this one. One more leg down. Let's be in the recession uh, and everything sound terrible. And that's probably when the market will, will bottom. But, you know, again, the charts will guide me right now. The trends are still skewed to the downside. Got it. Thank you. OK, so in that past half hour, brain chip was a sell from both of my guests. The trend is not your friend for that one, says Carl. Fortescue, he's negative on China. Uh, it's a sell for him. It's a short term sell for Josh Barker at Macro Capital as well. Waypoint REIT, it's a buy. Macro likes Waypoint REIT. It's a yield play. It's got momentum, strong support. But based on the charts and the fundamentals, Carl's scratching his head about this one. It's a sell for him. Temple and Webster is a sell. And it's a hold for Josh Barker at Macro Capital. Um, APA Group, but both like this one. It's a buy and a breakout for Josh, but uh, it's a buy. It's a warm, fuzzy feeling. Carl gets when he looks at that chart as of late. Carl Capulinga, thank you so much for joining us, for joining us from Think Markets from Perth. Have I had a, a warm, day. fuzzy feeling for the whole hour, Dino. It was great. Thank Thanks, you. Man. That was fun. And uh, good luck with that build. Um, your timing was impeccable for this one, <laughs> yeah. Carl, I've got to say. Should have had a chart on it. that one. And uh, yep. Josh Barker from Macro Capital, <laughs> thanks as always for thanks coming for in. Me. Good to see Appreciate you. It. And uh, thank you for emailing in all of your questions to us. Do so at the call at osbiz.com.au. You can check out that portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stick around. I'll bring you through the small caps next.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.